ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. a very special edition of Hard to Pain with David Grubb. I'm really pleased to uh, bring together what I call this episode Three Kings, because at one point, these were the three kings of not only New Orleans basketball, but Louisiana high school basketball. Um, you could go look at the record books and the numbers speak for themselves. But here on this podcast today, I'm gonna let them speak for themselves. I got Rashard Allen, who uh, played at John Errett High School. I got Dwayne Spencer, two-time state champion, uh, McDonald's All-American, Parade All-American. And then Randy Livingston, two-time national player of the year, three-time state champion, Parade All-American, all, just the accolades for all y'all. Um, and all of you scored at least 3,000 points. I'm going to do this first. I'm going to ask this question. Which one of you scored the most points? Do you remember who scored the most points among you in high school? I think that's Randy, of course. That's what y'all want to bet? Anybody else want to make a guess? I'm going to play. I might have played the longest, but I shared my rookie year or my freshman year. But I think Wayne did. He had a lot of guys on his team. Rashad had a lot of good players on his team. Yeah. The official numbers. Dwayne is number 70 all time in in high school basketball. Dwayne, you are still number 70 all time. Wow. 3,485 points. Wow, that's crazy. and the most amongst any player to ever come out of New Orleans. Wow, never knew that, never realized that. <laughs> even, Randy, even Tweety Carter, he must have had like eight thousand points. He played since sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just counting New Orleans only, so this is the list. Of New Orleans, all right. And uh, Randy, you were second, three thousand four hundred twenty-nine points. You rank eighty-second right. all time. Ray, three thousand and five points. 243rd all time, but y'all were, yeah, bro, wow. but I mean, 3000 points for all three of you <laughs> and, and Dwayne knocking on 3,500, man. Like that, that those are impressive numbers right off the bat. Did y'all, when you're doing that, do you even think like Dwayne, you said, I, I didn't even think about it, those kind of numbers. Do you? No, absolutely not. You're thinking about winning firstly. That's the most important thing. And secondly, you're trying to represent your school. You're trying to represent your hood. You're trying to represent the park you grew up in. So just that's amazing to think that you actually did that and was not even aware of the fact that you put up those kind of numbers. It's kind of crazy. It's humbling, definitely, though. I mean, to be in the top 100 of any list, especially when it comes to a sports list and a scoring list and basketball being a sport where thousands and millions and millions of kids every year get on there and you're still – sitting there in that top 70. I mean, that, that, that's a testament to the kind of, to, to the work that you put in while you're at Cohen and the work all you guys put in, because I mean, your legacies live on. Um, that era, we all came of age at the same time around, you know, that late eighties, um, early nineties, we all left high school, went into college around the same time. I, I didn't get to play against Randy in the regular season. I told Rashad I played against him. He beat my ass. I played against Dwayne. He embarrassed me. I didn't get to play against Randy in an official game. We played in the summer and stuff like that. But um, just at that time, and I'm, I'll let Ray, you start with this one, just the level of competition in New Orleans across the city, not just at y'all schools, but St. Aug still had a powerful team. We were on the come up at, at Carr. We were just on the come up then um, at, when we were starting out. But there, every corner of the city, it seemed, had 
quality basketball teams and quality basketball players in that period. How competitive was the city of New Orleans basketball wise during that time? Oh man, it was just you know, really like off the chain as you would go back and look at it. And um, like I said, I was from the West Bank. So they had the district, you know, on this side of the river where I played with um, Higgins, West Jeff. They had East Jeff, Bonneville, all those teams was good teams. And then you had to go in to the other part of the city. Once you played, like we played against Randy and them in the Superdome, like people would never believe that. Like I told my son, like we had a high school game in the Superdome, you know, me against Randy and um, Newman and John Eric, you know, and then St. All played Vanderbilt Catholic down in Homer with Andre Brown and um, Kennedy, man, they had Ronald Nunnery, Marcel Scott, man, the city was just off the chain, man, and Shaw, when you get to the Catholic League back then, the Catholic League was just one of the toughest leagues that you could, you know, like pretty much run across and play in at that time, so you had to go against all those players with Kerry Kittles and all them, you know, so at that time, I can I can kind of remember back. I think they had the state championship in, um, at LSU. Mm-hmm. They had 2A, 3A, 4A, and 5A at the time was um, from New Orleans here, like from the city. So that's just a testament alone to let you know that at that time, the basketball competition was just unreal. You know, it couldn't get no better. Dwayne, do you think like getting raised in that fire of competition made you the player that you were? Um, and and helped you excel, knowing that there were so many other guys around the city. Well, first you have to you have to think about playing in the park that you grew up in, and I'm quite sure these guys could attest to it. Firstly, you had to you had to bring it just to get on the floor in the park, let alone you know talking about your your respective team. But absolutely, you had those guys. I mean, coming as a freshman, I had to go against Melvin, and you go against those guys that. At St. Nog, you had Tory, and you had, you know, those big guys. And you had some guys at um, Carver. I mean, it was just even our, our division was amazing. But it was definitely a testament to the, the hard work that we had to put in because you didn't want to go out there and be embarrassed. And um, it, def- <laughs> it definitely was serious back then. The neighborhood part of it is such a big thing because, like you said, the playground culture then was serious. I, I I remember us going to different neighborhoods and people knew when that wasn't your neighborhood. You brought in your friends, you're just going out to go play some ball. And like you said, it's the foul calls, just all those things. If you, if you, if you weren't from there, you better keep your mouth shut and the plates, unless you're bleeding. Like how much of an influence was that in, in making you tougher? You know, like, you know, for Randy's like for you, you know, you, all you guys came up from spots where other folks would say, you know, New Orleans being the city that it is, it's a tough spot. But at the same time, you go to the parks, it's love and it's physical. And they're trying to, they're doing, they're being rough with you for a reason. You know, they want you to be better. But at the same time, there's that pressure of, we ain't gonna let you just walk in here and be good. Yeah, we had, um, matter of fact, it was a guy, there's a, a playground legend that um, that recently passed. And we were kind of reminiscing, talking about it. He, he was a point guard. He kind of basically taught me the game. And as a, as a young player, just in order to get on the floor, you had to have toughness. You had to have skills. You had to be, be able to, to hold your own just to even get on the floor. And those guys taught us so, so many valuable lessons about the game, not just, not just so much being tough and not just so much, you know, doing the stuff you see on TV, but the fundamentals. And that part that I, um, you know, I, I owe a lot of my success to those guys that I came under 
you know, being a young kid and those guys were already in college and some of us in high school and some of them, you know, never even played, but those guys made it tough. And I don't care, you know, once I started becoming well-known, they didn't care. They just wanted to make sure that I represented them. I represented, you know, the city, represented our school. And it was amazing. It was definitely an amazing time. Randy, coming up in Uptown, all the fellas, y'all played AAU ball together. You grew up together. What was that, you know, like developing your game and in, in, in that kind of structure? Well, you know, it all, like like Wayne said, man, we we started Billy Basketball. Line Center was like the mecca of where everybody went to see who's who. And then, you know, I, 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 I kind of coincide with what Wayne said, man. We had incredible mentors like we like i like to give the guys their flowers while they're still here man coach rob coach skeet um he passed leo young moon kevin sanders you know all those guys man it was hard to beat those guys when we were young because they would cheat they were bigger they were stronger and we couldn't right. call fouls we right. couldn't do anything right and so it taught you the, the 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 lesson of you know playing through any and everything being tough you know like like wayne said on the playgrounds you know, if you wasn't tough or good and you knew if you were the fourth or fifth guy on the team, if you didn't win, you ain't played for five or six games. So nobody wanted that. So, like, it just taught you to value how important the game was and to, you know, play as hard as you can. And I think, you know, growing up, man, we had bitty basketball and moved to AAU. And it's the craziest thing is, like, we always thought – that was everything. We saw everybody, so we knew who to see. And then every year, somebody pop up. Like Rashard, like we ain't see him because he was on the West Bank. But then next thing you know, Rashard pops up 13-14. Next thing you know, uh, Dwayne Taylor pops up bubblegum. We had never heard of him. He was right. over at O'Perry Walker. And, you know, just guys that every year somebody came out of nowhere and he was like, man, who is this guy? Either he could jump high as hell or he was just a baller. And so – we just love the competition. I just, you know, I think, and I, I didn't want to go back, but like you were talking about all the points, Wayne and, and Rashard scored and myself scored, but we were all around good players. We had great teammates. And so like, I'm sure if we really wanted to go for 5,000 points, we could have went and try to get 30, 40 every night, but we understand the value of teamwork. We understand the value in others. And I think that's what really made this group of guys who you have on this, this stage right now special. And um, man, those were the glory days. Those were some man. It was some incredible basketball. Not just even in New, New Orleans, but all over the state, man. Because mm -hmm. putting them run into a Paul Marshall and them type team yes. that you never see, Absolutely. you know. And then Rashard and them played a Catholic high team out well, of Baton that, that was stacked. You know what I'm saying? We, we so like, man. People always ask me. Like, man, I could never win the Newman Invitational Tournament because the talent was so good. It didn't matter how good I was. And right. so like. It just, man, there was so much talent everywhere, man. I, I mean, I, I, the back in the early 90s, um, it was amazing. End of the 80s, early 90s. I mean, it was great basketball. Yeah, it's around. just, I mean, it was just so many players. It seemed like we were sending, you know, guys to either McDonald's All-American Games and said guys getting parade All-Americans. And, and you three are the bridge because Dwayne comes first, you know, yep. gets gets parade. He's two times, he goes fourth team. The second time he makes fourth team, Randy, your second team, then you move to first team. And then by the time you're senior, then Ray is in as um, on, on that last year, too. So y'all, the, the, the conduits, you're the only ones from Louisiana who made it over those th that five year stretch. 
And you're from this little concentrated area of New Orleans, again, not not considered like New York City or Detroit or Chicago as these basketball havens. But y'all were doing everything that those cities were doing and putting out the same level of talent. Does it did it? New Orleanians in representing the city as a whole is seeing on a national level It's showing people that the New Orleans area, the basketball there was as good as anybody else's. What was that like too, to be an ambassador for New Orleans basketball, even as a high school? I can tell you, I can tell you the experience Randy and I and Kerry did playing in a Boston shootout. Randy, you remember, I mean, we go in that place and they looking at us like they laughing, like we the laughing stock, ha ha, Louisiana, ha ha ha, you know, whatever. And, but they didn't realize, you know, what we had been doing, the work we had been putting in. They don't realize how tough it is you know, growing up in the city, growing, growing up in the parks, growing up, you know, playing in, in different divisions. So, man, we went out there and represented. And, and you're talking about, you know, Randy at that point was the man. And then me, but Kerry kind of just took over. And Randy, you could attest to it. And, you know, being yeah. in, in the city is like, okay, the, the whole country didn't give us much respect. But we went in there and we earned our respect. I mean, even though Randy had went and did his thing in AU, we had won a national championship in AU still. It was like, you know, they didn't give us the respect that we earned. And that it was a chip that we had on our shoulders. And I know for me personally, it definitely was a chip. Anytime I stepped on the floor, it was like, you know what? I'm going to show you what New Orleans is about. Yeah. And I wear that on my sleeve today, still to this day. I mean, going back to bus shootout, we all get on the elevator. Crazy story. And the lady who was running the tournament, a guy from Coca-Cola, I think he's since passed, Ken. He was an old referee in the NBA. They were like, where are y'all from? And we were like, yeah, we're from New Orleans. And it was like, oh, y'all coming. Y'all ain't going to do nothing. Like on the elevator. And like that stayed with me. Like throughout that whole tournament, I was like, man, they don't know nothing about us. And they just writing us off. We ain't even start the tournament yet. And so like, man, as we play the game, next game, like I wore that. Like it was like, okay, it's time to put New Orleans on the map. And it's time to show everybody that we have incredible talent down here and incredible basketball. And so like whenever we went out, whether it was AAU, whether it was individually, you're in an all-star game, whether you were, we played like Dwayne said in the Boston shootout, man, we were trying to kill, man. We were trying to, we were trying to come back home with that trophy, period. There was no if and buts about it. And nothing else was acceptable. Ray, like you, all three of y'all, before y'all got there, your high schools had had some success, but hadn't been championship level, hadn't been at the highest level Ray, you brought Eric into the to the forefront in a lot of ways with Coach Schick, and, and y'all had a very talented team. It wasn't just you, um, but what was building that program and turning John Eric into a power, seeing it develop from your freshman, your sophomore year into what it was when you finished, you know, knowing that you helped build that. Yeah, it was a good experience because um, I was going to start off going to Shaw and, um, you know, Big Mel Simon, Gerald and all them was leaving out, Dedrick Willoughby, I was going to go to Shaw. And then um, once it got close to the end of the summer, it's just a thought came across my head and I was like, um, I'm going to go ahead on and roll the Eric, roll the dice, take my chances and um, start a program, you know, like from my own perspective and, you know, just start something at John Eric, you know, the neighborhood, school, that's where all the guys you hung up, you know, like grew up with, hung out with, all of us used to get on the bus together. So I said, I'm on and go over here to Eric and see what they do. And just so happened at the same time, Coach Schick, he was leaving Shaw. 
and he wound up getting the head coaching job at Everett my freshman year. So, like, I was going in with no intentions to coach, didn't know what was going to happen or anything. So once I got over there and um, we started building the program from there, and, like, what they were saying back earlier, like the playground and the bitty stuff, on the West Bank back then, if you was taller than 5'8", you couldn't play on the Biddy team. So at that time, I was um, I was about the same height I was now at that time. I just wind up stopped growing, you know? So I couldn't play the Biddy and none of the park stuff coming along. So I had to wait my turn, you know? You hear everything and you hear what's going on. So once I jumped into the scene, you know, it just came on and it was like you had to have something to prove. And um, it started from there and then, um, the first year, we only won like three games. It was like three and 29 or three and 30, something like that. I can remember correctly, you know. And um, that summer, I played the first years at AAU and got around some good players, good coaching. And all the stuff I learned at that time, I just brought it back to Eric, man. And we had a crazy, like, summer league program that year. And then from that year on, that's where it all started from. We got a couple of players together, and um, we went from the three games that we won the freshman year to winning 32 games my sophomore year and making it to the playoffs. And we lost to Dwayne in, in the quarterfinals, you know? So it was a building process and it's just going off of faith and just hard work and dedication. And um, it just took it to the top. And, you know, I appreciate every bit of that. And I enjoyed all the experiences and all the people, the coaching that we was able to get from the AU and all the older players that helped develop my game and stuff. Cause I couldn't play at the park because he was too tall. That was crazy, but you know, like a crazy rule for that time. But I had to play with the older guys and that's what got me developing, got me stronger and, you know, tougher and, you know, a couple of fights here and there to get you going through. And it just developed from there, man. And then once we got the taste of that winning that sophomore year, it just went on from there. The AAU, we won the BCI out in Arizona. We went back to the Boston shootout. It was just a crazy run from there. And um, like I said, I just owed it all to the people that I came along with. And all the guys, the coaching. Coach Schick was a good coach. The AAU coaches, Rock, Wu, um, Rob, all those guys, man. It was just a good development for me. And I appreciate it all, you know. So all the young kids out there today, man, if they would have came along at that time and just – and just seeing all the great coaching and all the great players that was there, you know, it'll just give you that strength and motivation to just continue and just strive because it was just all about success from that point on, you know. The level of coaching, you know, that all three of you got, and like you said, it wasn't just at your schools, but outside, you know, I, I Rob was my coach. He was y'all's AAU coach and, and all those types of things. But, Randy, you played under uh, Coach Fitzgerald one of the winningest coaches in, in basketball in Louisiana. He had won before you got there, but then when you get there and, and it's Robert Brundage and Peyton is on the team and those things, y'all take it to another level and then unprecedented winning for Newman. What was that like for you coming into that situation and being kind of, an, you know, a little bit of an outsider in that situation and then coming in and, and making it very much a home? Yeah, I think my freshman year, we had the best talent at Newman. Coach Fitzson was on Team Edmund. He was a college basketball player. After that, I don't think I had a really another college basketball player on the team. So, you know, for me, we played a great Kim Lewis and them team in the quarterfinals at De La Salle. I'll never forget the day before Mardi Gras, and we lost. And for me, I just told myself I never wanted to have that feeling again. I saw Coach cry. I saw Edmund cry, all the seniors. You know, that was tough, you know, just to, you know, you had a, such a great team. And then 
couldn't close it out. So I just made a point that I never wanted to have that feeling again. And I never did have that feeling my high school year, um, high school season and career. But at the end of the day, I just think this is just something that's off topic, but I want to share it because I think it's so important with the younger generation of the day. Us three, Kerry, all the top players, Marcel, all the guys in the city, we came together and played. It wasn't like, it was like, okay, we too good. Or our dad or mom said, go play on the team by yourself so you can get all the accolades. Man, we wanted to win for the city. So we came together and it was no egos. It was no, you know, I'm better than this one and this and that. He getting man, everybody shine. And, and that's what's missing in today's world of, you know, just sports in general is everybody's trying to, it's okay to try to be the man, but like if we have all of us on one team and there was no egos involved and we was just trying to hoop. I mean, I remember the last year AU, Richard and Ronald Nunnery and everybody who's who played. Mook played with um, Pointer and all those great St. All guys and other guys around the city and it was no ego. We just tried to win. We tried to put on for the city. We weren't trying to say, okay, my daddy wants me to be this and that. Because if we win, we all we all get the accolades. We all become McDonald's All-Americans. We all become, you know, whatever it is we're going to become. And so I just would like it to go back the way. I don't know if it's going to ever go back that way because there's, if, if there was the Dribblers, there was the Spartans, there's a few other AU teams. Man, there's like 800 AU teams just in Louisiana. And all wow. of them are terrible. There's my wow. one or two that are good. The rest are terrible. Wow. So I remember y'all with them powder blue Spartan uniforms with the red, yeah. you had the red letters on there. Right, right. Well, that was yeah. it. And the powder. dribblers. Yeah. Yep. They were powder blue and they had the dribblers. And so, but we all came together. Like it was no, whatever. It was just like, okay, man, let's go bust somebody tail. I don't care if it was the West Coast, East Coast, South, Middle. Man, we didn't care. But like, it needs to get back like that. The best need to play with the best. And I don't know, man. I, I just wanted to say that because it's just crazy. When you look at us three, we all played together at some point or competed against each other. Like when I played the dribblers and I was young and pointer, shit, I wanted to go against him to see where I was. And he was two, three years older, but he was a beast. So it was like, okay, let's go see and compete. And then later on, Rashard, we played, I remember Rashard then played at Xavier against uh, uh, Pump and Run or whoever, whatever team that was, Jelani Gardner, whoever them guys was. And man, we were all in there rooting for them to beat those guys at Xavier and they won. And then, you know, as we got older, then we played together. There was no animosity. At all. Absolutely. Dwayne, you know, uh, you get Coach Goche over there, Cohen, and y'all build it up and, and turn it to a two-time state champion. It hasn't been done at Cohen since. But what was, you know, that moment like? Again, public school, a school in the, in the heart of the city that, you know, in any other state, they say, is, you know, this underfunded inner city school. These are the kids who ain't supposed to do nothing. And y'all came out and established not only in the way that y'all played because it wasn't like y'all y'all just didn't throw out the ball and rub down the court and they didn't just rely on you being 6'10". I mean, you, y'all were a skilled and relentless defensive basketball team. I remember it. Um, you know, y'all said, you said a style of play. There was a certain Cohen style of play while you were there. Well, you got to think before me, you had, you had guys like Jaron, you had guys like Greg, you know, those guys brought it. I mean, I remember you know, going to different parks and seeing those guys. And, and like I went, I, I said earlier, you had to make sure that you, first of all, you didn't want to be embarrassed. I mean, just be honest with you. When you step on the floor, whenever you're playing, guess what? You In the park, if you don't come with it, you're going to get embarrassed, right? But, you know, having those coaches, first of all, from AU, you have um, 
with the dribblers. You got Coach Roman and, and Coach um, um, Calvin Ramey and all those guys. And then, then you come to court, you got Wu and you got Gauthier and all those guys. You know, they kind of we had a we had a culture in corn that first of all is hard work, toughness, and then skills. I mean, before practice, Goshe would have us doing skills and doing different skill drills. And and he was one of the coaches that kind of saw that I wasn't just a big man. So he had me doing ball handling drills. I before practice, I would do I would do different ball handling drills that he had a tape that we watched and and I would do it and I had the little Glasses on where I couldn't look down. I had the, <laughs> I had the stretch the white glasses. <laughs> stretch yeah, yeah, the whole deal. <laughs> um, but, you know, just going to Cohen, first of all, you had to, like I said, you represented yourself, you represented your school, you represented, you know, your, your community where you came from. And it was always a chip on my shoulder being that, you know, it was a public school. And, and I remember the, the championship game against St. Aug. You know, as as athletes, you know, Randy and Rashad could attest to this. We look for any type of fuel that we can get. And before the state championship game, they, they, it was an article that came out and it mentioned how, you know, public schools are inferior to Catholic schools. And it's like, okay, got it. I didn't say anything to anybody. The, the whole time, I couldn't wait for that game to start. And I played with those guys. I mean, we won national championship in AU together, but guess what? When the ball, when the referee threw the ball up, guess what? It was a war. I mean, it wasn't a situation where, you know, I want to destroy your will to compete. That was our goal every single time we stepped on the floor. And it was from the six man on our team to, to me, to the coaches, to the, to the, I mean, you could say the anybody that's representing with Cohen Sports, it was like, guess what? You have to bring it. And so we just kind of carried on that legacy. And it, it kind of made me feel good that we had that success. And then after what we had Greedy and Dino, they, they kind of yeah. carried on and won two more. So it was good that we kind of set that precedent. But it wasn't for me. It was from guys like Jaron and, and Frank and, and Greg and all those guys that I came under watching that. It's like, man, I like this. I want to be a part of this. So let's do this then. I'm gonna let each of y'all first tell me who was the player when you were the when you were a youngster that was the most influential on you. Ray, you want to start? Yeah, there was a guy at the playground. Um, we used to go to Mac Playground. It was a guy by the name of Silky. We called him Zero, and uh, he was much older than us. I'm gonna say about at least you know 17, 20 years older, but he still had that basketball drive and love. And for a guy to be, you know, that old and we're teenagers and he'll come out to the park and he just showed you the toughness and the love for the basketball game, you know, and that's what kind of got me going. And um, every day after school, I used to go out to the playground, man, and they used to work jobs and they'll get off their jobs and they'll be out there training and, you know, playing basketball and just just that toughness. And that's what kind of got me, you know, onto that next level as far as, you know, how tough you got to be to compete, you know, in this game. And then like on my side, like I never had the chance to play with people my age because I was always too tall, like I say. So like the bitty stuff kind of killed me young, but I had to play with all the older people. 
And that's what kind of got me to where I was. And once I got to be around players my age, it was like, you know, it wasn't even fair sometimes in some of the competition and battles and stuff. But um, that was the one player that kind of that kind of got me, you know, that drive and that motivation to just go kill it, you know. Dwayne? Well, I'm going to start in the park. Absolutely. It was a it was a guy, first of all, a guy named Mo. It was a guy named Dwight Clark. And it was a guy named Bullock. And when I'm telling you, I watched those dudes go at it, and it was like, man, first of all, Bullock, you know, he was so physically um, gifted. And if you're not paying attention, he'll dunk on you. But then you got a guy like Dwight Clark that was so smooth. I can remember he had a J. He could handle the ball, and he could dunk, and he had that toughness. So I remember when I first had the opportunity to play against those guys, you know, being a young kid, and, man, they killed me, but – they constantly lift me up. It's like, man, you got something. Can continue to work at it. Continue to work at it. And those guys, like I said, from the park, absolutely, were the ones like the White Clock and Bullock and you know, all those guys that I grew up with in Eleven War. Those are the guys that kind of, kind of helped me and determined that. Listen, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it 100, percent and you're gonna represent. Then. Well, for me, I mean, I wore 32 all through Biddy and AAU stuff. So Magic Johnson was my dude, right? So I just watched him. Everything he did, I tried to go practice on and emulate it. But, you know, to be honest with you, it was just all the old Spartan guards. I won't lie to you. Like, I, like, I'll give you an example, Cass Clark. Mm-hmm. It took me forever in a long time to beat class one-on-one. But once I beat him, then I knew I was good. Cause he, you could never beat him. He had a little hesitation move. He always went for it. He could shoot. And then after that, it, the toughness was, it was the Spartan guards that was probably three, four years, five years older than me. And I'll start with him. It was Robert Pax of the world. Darwin Alexander who went to Oklahoma State. Troy Robinson who went to Booger T. Washington. All those guys, I was just having these conversations with Mims. I used to go watch the games at Gregory. They ain't no more middle school anymore. I used to watch those guys play at Gregory, play each other and play for the city championship. And it was it was just awesome. But those are the type of guys that I looked up to um, and just tried to emulate, sit on the bench and watch everything they did. And then until one day, they were all on the same team. This is no lie. Robert Pack. Troy Robinson, Darwin Alexander, and they had one more guard. And man, they went to a tournament in, um, I want to say, in Mississippi. It wasn't Gulfport. And man, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf tore up all of them. And I was like, who the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, so like, you watch them, and so you try to steal all their moves. And they were like my heroes. They were like my idols. And, and right. then to see him destroy all of them, I was like, man, it's levels to this. It's like <laughs> some dudes out there you just don't know. But, man, he was just so gifted as a scorer. I mean, they would pick up full court. I guess I'm saying the toughness, like all those guys would wear the other guards down. And then before you know it, the game was over. And then when they hit him, I was like, man, oh, man. But like that, you know, so those are the guys I kind of looked up. And then like Rashard mentioned the name, the Joe Williams of the world. Um, those guys, Jay Fazan, like that was just stuff that you took from all of those guys. And like, you know, I, I like to give those guys their flowers, like Larry DeGruel and Talmadge, all those guys, you know, you kind of just grow up watching them. And, and like I said, you got to give those guys their flowers, man, because they they paved the way, man. They, they totally did. And I enjoyed, you know, every bit of those guards that I mentioned you know, you, you took something for them and they competed. Like that was like the most important thing that I could take away from those guys. All right. Now let me give you this one. I'm going to start Wayne. You can start with this one. 
the most difficult matchup you had during your high school career? That's easy, man. That's Melvin Simon. <laughs> Big Mel. I, I think I don't remember if I was a, I think I was a sophomore and Melvin was a, I think he was a junior. First possession, they throw the ball in the post. Melvin, he turns around. Boom, he dunks on me. It's like, wow, okay, this is serious. Like Randy said, there's levels to this. But, but like, if I had not been prepared because of what I went through in the parks and everything else, you know, you probably would have folded. But my whole goal that game was I'm going to get him back. I'm going to get him back, right? So I remember it was a situation where it was an out-of-bounds play, and I was like, point guard called one place, and nope. This is the one you call it. It was a lob to me. Never forget. Do the lob, caught him slipping, got him back. But it was it was definitely Melvin because y'all knew I was like maybe a, a hundred and five pounds soaking wet. And Melvin was <laughs> and Melvin was a big dude and he had so much skill. And it was like, okay, I had to be on top of that. And then you talk about guys like um Rashad, it was skillful. Big guys, skillful. Then you got um, Tory from St. Oaks. There was a lot of guys, but the, the one that probably in high school that that really, really made me step up my game was Melvin because, you know, first of all, he was such a physical brute, and you had to be prepared because, like I said, you never wanted to be embarrassed ever, ever. Because you go to your park and, and somebody did something embarrassing, you, just like Randy said with those guys, you know, when Mahmoud gave those guys a business, when they went back to the hood, I mean, they were <laughs> they were vilified and and it was on them. And so it was definitely with Melvin. But I mean, there were so many guys that, you know, was tough in our division. But I would say definitely Melvin was that one for me. Ray, what about you, man? Like the first one start off, I would say it was Wayne, like my sophomore year. That was one of the uh, matchups that you had to go against, you know, here in the city. And you know, that was one of them days. And then once we had fell short in that game, they gave me that drive to, like, push it. And then I wanted to be on that next step. And then the next one I would say would be the summertime, man. Jerry Stackhouse. We was at the Nike camp um, up in, um, up at the Nike camp in Jerry Stackhouse. Um, me and him had to go toe-to-toe. And it was like fist blows, you know, like going in. It was just that work, you know. And I was one of those guys that you say, hey, man, at that time, you know, it was like, whoo, there's levels to this stuff, you know. And then we played against Randy and the Superdome, you know. So it was just times and different matchups that you can go against. But I, I guess, like you said, a powerful foul. You know, I played against Melvin like my freshman year. And um, I got the business, you know, handed to me. You know, I, I was just a freshman at that time. So I'll say stack house, you know, like pound for pound to be that guy, that, you know, that, right. um, that I got it with me, you know. RL? Yeah, man, I, my, mine was hard because, I, man, I was at the guard position. Man, I ain't fear nobody. I was going, <laughs> that's how we was raised. I was going to play hard as I could. But Kim Lewis was the hardest dude I played against on the perimeter. Man, he was hard. He was at Varnado High School with Lanier Burns. And, man, for whatever reason, Newman and Varnado met up every playoff. It didn't matter. Even when they left, we still met up, and they were a tough team. But Kim was just a country dude, 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", and could guard, could shoot, was athletic. Um, he, he he was good. He, he was really, 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 really. Went on the two lane? 
Yeah, yeah. Went on too yeah. long before he yeah. got hurt, man. He was gonna be a pro. Like, so he was yeah. Kim was a Kim was a really, really, really good player. Um, and just was hard to score on because he was athletic, he was strong, and he competed. So, you know, but man, the battles with Pointer Williams when he was at St. Aug, um, even on national level, Ray mentioned Stackhouse. And, I mean, Jock Vaughn and me were like competitors since we were little. We played them AAU in Vegas and beat the brakes off of him and Charles O'Bannon. But like in all the all-star games, you know, we just competed, man. That was that that was important. But um, yeah, there's so many good players, man. It's hard to to just to narrow it down to one. Dedrick Willoughby was hard to guard. Oh, you know, there's Willoughby. just so many players. You couldn't, you couldn't, like you can't like sleep on Marcel scored, you know, like it just, it was a lot of good players in the city. Ronald Nunnery was tough, you know, and I, to me, it was, I never really looked at the end. Like I said, the individual matchups mm-hmm. because I, I was ready, but like team wise, like Catholic high was a hard team to play, man. Back in those nine, Richard, <laughs> beat them. They were a hard team to play. Same all teams is hard to play against. I always looked at it like that. Just playing against those teams. There was just some hard teams. And Damn. obviously, I got to talk talk my smack to Mutt Lil backcourt because we just <laughs> never played each other. But Ryan and um Marlon, them boys always said you know, they would have beat us by forty. It was ready for you. Ready for you. I would have had sixty on them too. But them was my dudes though. But like right. you know, so we never played Wayne them. So mm-hmm. you know, we played Rashard and them in the dome. I'll never forget Mike Phillips and all those guys. They, the group they had a good team, man. And um, I'll never forget. You know, we lost. And like he said, you can't tell kids that we played guys in the Superdome where it was packed to have one time. But like the crazy thing of that, I'm shooting the free throw for the game. Which I remember this and I'm looking at myself shoot through the backboard. That was a terrible <laughs> feeling. But, um, nah, it, was, it was great, man. Those were right. just good old days, man. It, it was, man. If y'all could go yeah. back and replay one game, do it that, whether it was a win or a loss, just go back and play that game one more time. Which game would you pick? Wayne, we'll start with you. Wow, that's a great question. I would have to, I would definitely have to say the last championship when we lost to Southwood because, you know, as a senior, you want to go out on, as a champion. And, you know, we had one, two previous and we came and we were ready. We were heavy, big favorites. And man, those guys came out and they were like, they were, I mean, I think they probably shot 70% from the field in the first half. And they had two guards. I mean, they kind of killed us. I just wish if, if I had opportunity to go back and just play that one game one more time because I didn't want to go out my senior year in high school with a loss. And that was a tough one for me. So if I could go back. But then as far as going back and having fun, it was when we beat St. Aug in the championship. Because, it was, um, <laughs> because you had the whole city at that point. The whole city, we, you know, the whole city was there. You had... You know, the big wigs came out and they wanted to see what happened and, and, and wanted to see because they had beat us earlier in the in the tournament, in the Booger T tournament. And when it was time to play, it was and it was good that we were able to like do it. I remember was, that game. I just said that was when St. Aug was running off winning streaks, like nationally recognized winning streaks at that time. Yes, they were ranked in the national. I think they were. They won ranked, the national championship one year. They won the national championship the year before. And next year they were ranked really high. And, um, you know, it, that game, I think it, it for me, it was good because at that point I showed that it was just more than just being athletic. It was about the intellect. It was about the knowledge of the game. 
because at one point, you know, halfway through the fourth quarter, I had four fouls. And so I understood the gravity if I fouled out, how important it would be for my team. And understanding that, you know, certain things you got to do, you got to do things a little bit different. You had to use the intellect. So, you know, it, it would probably be one of those two games, definitely. Randy, you fouled out of your last game. Like, people forget that, that you fouled out of your I, I last game. I definitely did. I fouled out probably three games my whole prep career. So that that was tough. But for me, it would be that, that, that freshman year watching those seniors, you know, I just got in hip to it and the us to lose and I thought we had a chance to win it it just showed how that 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 separation of winning and losing it's you know it's, it's hard to get it um so that game for sure and then for me my whole sophomore playoff run if I could replay that whole five games because back then you had to win five games now I see you only have to win one or two maybe I don't know it's crazy <laughs> but those five game stretch where I'm having my average 40 a game and was rebounding assists like it was just everything that could go right went right but it was really all the hard work and all the summers and all the stuff that you did that culmination into that, because then I went from there to the Boston shootout. So it just carried on. I had a stretch that was just for me like no other. And I enjoyed it, man. It was like everything came together. All the work that you had put in came together. Cause then I had to go, people don't realize my sophomore year, I had to go through Clarence Caesar. I had to go through Doug Anderson. And then I had to go through a redemptress team that had three guys, four guys that played college basketball. And so, like, it was that that was a, a, a great time, you know, in, in, in New Orleans history, basketball history. I enjoy it. And if I could go back and just play that whole five games, that would be good. What about you, Ray? Uh, for me, it would be um, we played against um, in district. It was Neil Reed, East Jeff. They beat us my senior year in district. Like, we didn't win district my senior year. They beat us. Neil Reed. And um, that would be the one game if I can go back to and um, go back and just do it all over again. That would be the one for me, man. He was just a killer out on the perimeter, deadly shooter, fake move with the foul. A lot of people don't um, bring his name up, but he did come from yeah. Indiana. And we played them. When I was in the AAU, you know, when I was 13 and 14, and we we beat the brakes off him, and then I think he had some animosity for me when he came down here, and um, <laughs> and he had it for that game, man, and that joker was like relentless. He was like going berserk, man, and um, my, you know, me being an inside guy mostly didn't have the chance to really fluctuate around the perimeter to do a lot of whole extra scoring that game. But if I can go back, you know, that'll be that game for me. And then the other one would be like when we lost to um, St. Aug in the um, finals my junior year. We got to the championship and they beat us with Kerry and, um, um, on my junior year. So that'll be my two games to go back. And if I can play them again and, and do it all out. And um, like Randy was saying earlier, like with the Catholic Baton Rouge, like they beat us twice. They beat us at the Numa tournament. They beat us at a game at our place. <laughs> so like um, our coach took a section of practice every day from that point on to break that press. They had like a diamond press or some kind of press it was, man. It was like unreal. So every day, no matter who we was playing for the rest of the season, we had a section for Catholic Baton Rouge. Wow. And when we got to the finals, <laughs> when we got to the finals, in that um in that stadium at LSU, man, them guys looked at us <laughs> and they was like, oh man, we got them. It, yeah. it ain't no problem, you know. When the whistle went up, like Wayne was saying, like when he had that fire in his eyes and all our guards was on the same page, 
two, three passes, one, two, three here, don't care, don't there. By the time the halftime was over, they were sitting on the sideline, man. They was kind of nervous because they didn't have no half-court game, and we had the half-court set. So once we controlled it, took the pressure out the way, man, and um, when that game was over, they just laid out on the floor. They couldn't believe that this team that they beat twice by 25 points or better, you know, <laughs> came and took them out, man. So oh. that was – they put up 80 with the me. regular. That Catholic team would just get 80, 90 points on a regular Like it was basis. nothing. Like it was nothing. But one section of practice every day, it was called a Catholic bad rules section of practice, man. And we would have three-hour practices or so, you know. And um, <laughs> it paid off at the end. They came out and, you know, once we got them in the half-court game and, and took care of the pressure, it was, it, was, it, it was over from there, you know. All right, there's one more fun question for y'all. Um, Outside of your home gym, what was your favorite place to play? Who want to go? Anybody can step jump in. Hmm. I, I would say we played at Thibodeau one time. Crazy. See, we keep forgetting my Patrick Savoy and Mark Davis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. We played at the gym. We brought the little Newman kids there, and it was like rockers in there. And Patrick Savoy tip the ball, they throw it back to him, he dunk it the first play, and he runs in the stands and give everybody a high five, got a tech and everything. I knew the game was over for my guys because they never seen nothing like that before. <laughs> and we lost easily, but that was, a, that was a great atmosphere down on the bayou in Thibodeau. For me, it's not a question, it's Carver. Man, as a freshman, you, you always hear stories about Carver. Man, they say, Dwayne, get ready. It's going to be something like you, an atmosphere you never experienced before. I mean, you're going to have, they have the cowbells. And man, the first game we played them in, in Culver, I was like a deer in the head. Like, it's probably the first time in high school that I really was like, what in the world is going on? And them dudes came out and it was like game buses and people in the crowd. It was amped. They was cutting up. Spencer, you ain't going to do this. Spencer, you're going to get the cowbells. And they, Oh, that was Culver was a was a great, great, great atmosphere, man. When we went down there, you know you had to bring it. What about you, Ray? I was with Higgins. Um, it was like a district rival, and um, they would have the place pumping, man. The crowd, you couldn't even get in the gym back then. The fire marshal would have to um stop people from coming in the games. That's how packed the games was, man. And and that was our rivalry, and, and they would have the DJ. You know, the music playing, bumping, they had a bad DJ, music pumping, everybody hyped and excited, you know, and um, just to see all those people in there. And they'll be doing the same thing, like heckling you and trying to get it, but you have to go in there, you know, like with your game face on and, and go it on and get the W and get out of there. But as far as that atmosphere, Higgins was it for me. Yeah, I just, I just remember Eric was wild every time we went over there. It was just always insane. And, and like I said, that's the only time – in the years that I played for Big Rob that I saw him really lose his cool was at Eric. Like I was wow. telling Ray, Rob broke a chair wow. getting up and down because he was so wow. mad during that game. Like he just kept getting up and we started to see the legs on the chair start to get wide because he was <laughs> pounding that sucker every time he sat down and then it cracked. And so, you know, we all sitting there trying to be quiet because we, you can't laugh at the big man. That ain't going to go down. And so just... Yeah. That was the one time where I saw him really get, you know, just agitated when we played at Cohen. And, you know, like I said, the band met us outside there. They playing boom, boom, boom. You know, like we stepping off the bus and 
this is our first varsity year. You know, we 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 are we are not we're not even eligible to play for state. We're just playing games so we can you know have you know compete. And so we come up in there, and the band is going. They followed us up the stairs, and, we, and, we, and so we dressed in a, a classroom on that floor instead of in a locker room. We dressed in the classroom, and Rob is in there, and he's like. Now, I don't care if this is the Valley of Motherfucking Death. <laughs> the motherfuckers in the Valley tonight. And we was hyped up. We went out there and we were hyped. But like I said, we, Dwayne wasn't there. We almost won. But it was like that at that time to be in that environment. We knew we were in a where state champions played. We knew that even if their best player wasn't there, they were taking it seriously. And for us to be a bunch of guys, we didn't have a single senior. We were all juniors and, or sophomores and freshmen. You know, Ryan Williams was the youngest. He was an eighth grader on that team. We had an eighth grader. And we came mm-hmm. in that place and to, to, to lose by six. It was like there was very few atmospheres like Eric and, um, and Cohen at that time. It just there wasn't. And like you said, I, you know, I, and people talk about going in the stands. I just remember that, that was a common thing in New Orleans at times. I, you know, big dunks and stuff like that. The, Folks jumping off the, you know, out the stands and getting on the court for about two, three minutes and the refs having to clear it out. It was New Orleans basketball, the, the entire environment, everywhere you went, there was a genuine love and appreciation of not just the players, but the game itself. The games meant something. The schools meant something. The neighborhoods meant something. And like you said off top, Randy, I think that that's something that we lost after Katrina because neighborhoods don't mean the same anymore in New Orleans. It's, it's not that same com- level of community that us going over to your spot, you know, hey, we, we got something to prove and it's, it's all love, but it's still, it's, it's 15th Ward over here. This is Uptown over there. This is whomever. And it, it just, it isn't like that anymore. I missed that. No, we definitely do. I I would like to give these two guys their flowers, man. I'm going to say something that Charles Barkley said. He said he wished his mama would have had him in a different era. Mm -hmm. Because, man, these two guys would have made $100, $200 million, man. Because Wayne Game was unprecedented from the fact that he was 6'10", smooth, could shoot, could dribble, could handle. And that's what the game is today. you know. And then Ray, the one thing I knew about Ray is – it doesn't matter who we played, AAU-wise, there was nobody stronger and there was going to be nobody tougher than him. So I know we had the boards covered and I know nobody was going to mess with us because yeah. Ray was tough, man. It didn't matter who he had to go through, who he had to go over, he was going to get the job done. So, like, man, these guys, man, it's it's amazing the time. And Wayne may not even remember this. Like, we were talking about games. The greatest game I saw, I said two, was – uh, Robert Pack and Tim Singleton play. Pack had like 40 with a broken wrist. That was one. The second game, you wouldn't even think of it as a robbery, but at Coin, everybody had a starter jacket on, so you don't know if somebody <laughs> was Everybody was at that game, started out, was full to the rim at Coin versus O. Perry Walker. Mm. Shannon Convell hits football player, went to Colorado, hits Mutt, knocks him down. The game was probably like a three-point game. One of my best friends growing up in the Cali, Twine Lewis was on that team. Man, Wayne went out the game. Man, Corin responded with like a 40-2 to two run after that. The game was over, like 40-2. to two. And I was like, whoa. Like, it was like, that was like something to be seen. Like, because O'Pair Walker was good. They had um, Patrick Riley's son. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Dwayne Taylor, that Twine. They had a good team. And Shannon Clavel was just a big dude in the middle. But, man, I, I ain't never seen a run like that in high school basketball in my life. It was like 40 to 2 in a row. When you, think about, when you think about that game, man, that was so crazy. Like, I have never seen 
the type of intensity of fire in the eyes of my teammates ever. And I played different levels. And man, after that, you talking about the point guards, Ryan and Buck and, and, and Tim and Jeremiah and, and Rock <laughs> and, and um, Pat, man, them dudes is like, and, and Keith, they's like, you know what? Let's go. Y'all trying to mess with our guy? Let's go. And man, the first play, through an alley of Keith Dunk. Next play, somebody hit a three. And it was like, listen, at that point, it's about whatever at this point. And that was crazy, man. That was crazy. There, when you guys were seniors at different times, first, Dwayne, you come up, you're part of the number one recruiting class in the country. You go to Georgetown, you're there with Othello Harrington. You got hurt. You come back, go to LSU. You and Randy cross over your senior year at LSU. Um, no, no, I think it was, Randy, it was your, your freshman year and and uh, your That's senior right. year, right? Right. And but, you know, you, you dropped 15 and seven on your second team, all SEC. And like you said, 610, you shot almost 40 percent from three. Mm-hmm. You come in there, you like you said, today, that's yeah. you, you go on lottery today, a 610 dude shooting 40 percent from three. And it wasn't like you only shot a few of them. You made like, I think, 40 something threes your senior year. That's lottery numbers today that you going, you going, you, you making millions off top. Like, do you, do you think about that sometimes and just, you know, I, I know it's, you don't live in the past. None of us do. But at the same time, you think about, man, you know, skill wise, I was part of that evolution of the big man. I think I think for me, I my goal when I played was to be an all around. I, I wanted to be the best all around basketball player. I, I wanted to have no weaknesses. And I can remember firstly seeing he was talking about guys that influenced you. And, you know, I remember Chris Weber used to play for Michigan Super Friends. He had these goggles on. Dude, just dunk on anybody. And Grant Hill is so smooth. He could use left hand, right hand. And I remember Grant Hill just doing something, and he was, like, doing it with his left. He's doing it with his left. He's doing it with his left. And I was like, dang, I can't do that. And so I just constantly worked on my game and constantly worked on my game. But when you look back on it, you know, you oh, you never want to have any regrets because I felt like I, I put it all in God, God's plan, whatever it is. You know, we have to live with God's plan. But absolutely, sometimes I think about it and it's like, you know what, because the skill level that the, the skill set that I had at that point, how, how it would translate into today's game. I, I often look at that and wonder. And I also, you know, I, I need to say this like Randy was saying, giving guys their um, their flowers while they're here. There's one thing I never really said publicly, but Randy, how much you you inspire me because I always kind of mimic certain things from certain people. And obviously, you know, people look at the athleticism, they look at the toughness, but that was secondary to me. It was the intellect. Sometimes I look at look at you and I'm like, man, you got all these guys that wouldn't even play in a park, wouldn't even get picked in a park. And you got these guys playing and they don't want to call and you like on them and you're doing it. And it's like certain stuff you would do. I'm like, dang, how could he even think about that being as young as you were? And, and I, I definitely have to say that to you, man, before, before we end this thing. That was one of the things I super, super admired about you, man. And that's something you should take your head off. But as far as living, you know, sometimes I do wonder how my game would have translated in today's game, though. Yeah, I think a lot of coaches didn't know what to do with you. 
You know, I, I mean, it's pairing you. It wasn't, you know, when they bring you and Othello together, Othello was much more the traditional big, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Othello got, what, 12 years in the NBA out of that. Don Reed, who I, you were, I think, more talented than I'm just I'm not. This is not a knock on Don Reed, another dude who played 10 years in the league. Right. But for you, they didn't know what to do with you. They, it wasn't like Matumbo and Morning. It wasn't like you were going to stand there and just patrol the paint. And I think that th- there was some confusion as to what to do. And then finally, when you get unleashed and Dale says, go ahead and shoot it. Go ahead and do what you do. You started putting up those numbers. The only problem was by then you didn't have no guard. <laughs> you know, because uh, Arezzi has unfortunately hurt himself. So you got no point guard now. <laughs> and that roster that you had your last year, that was a tough roster. <laughs> that was a tough, that I was remember, tough. Yeah, I remember John. I remember Coach Thompson would um he would he would I would practice at every position. I played point everything, but it was it was an assistant coach. I can remember, man, in practice. I'm like, you know, thinking about the stuff that I mentioned with Randy. I'm I'm looking at the matchup, and I'm like, man, I'm quick. I got this guy guarding me, Don Reed. Got guarding me. Don is a great player, but he's not as quick as me. Okay, he's gonna step off. I'm gonna shoot the three, shot the ball, assistant coach. That's not what you do. And at that point, as a young player, you're kind of confused. Like, man, just being intelligent, you understand matchups. Yeah. You understand if I'm quicker than this guy, if he's falling off on me, I have a mid-range main range jumper. I can knock the jump jumper down. But you know, it's, it's just certain things about that. When um, when I think back on it, how I played all those positions, but. I often wonder if I would have went to LSU straight out of high school and Randy and I would have played together and I would have just had that freedom to just be free and not just trying to fit in the mold of the Kimbe Mutombo or Alonzo Mourning or Patrick Ewing or all those great centers that came, but just set a precedent and say, you know what, I'm going to be a trailblazer. I'm going to do something that the game has never done before. So sometimes I do often wonder how that would have translated and it would have been amazing to see it. If I would have went straight to LSU Street out of high school. Now, grub, I saw your last show. Wow. Ridiculously crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna ridiculously crazy, man, because like we all would have went to LSU, man. God, just any God. school together. Honeycut with Honeycut, man. If we meet Honeycut, man, he would have been there already. Kelly Kittles. All about would have been like, man, that would have been like crazy. People forget, man. We like, just, oh, that is another man. one of those dudes that was ahead of his time. Yeah, like, exactly, man. Another one of those big men that could do everything. Yes. Exactly. And that was the transitioning point of basketball at that time. You know, you had your traditional big man. And I was kind of caught up into that part as a young kid as well by being the tallest person all the time. You know, they'll throw you down in the paint, you know. So that was kind of that time of basketball. And that was like the beginning of the transition, you know, 93-ish on to like 95, is 96, is 97. That was the transition. And then we was in that point in time. So, but it would have been ridiculously crazy if we all would have went to LSU or Tulane or somewhere like that. You know? <laughs> I mean, Tulane, you get, Tulane, you get four years, you, you know, and y'all switch conferences in the middle, but, you know, you average 20 wins a, game, 20 wins a season. Y'all, y'all lost about, y'all about 20 and 10 every year while you were at Tulane. You may go to the tournament that one time, like you said, if some of y'all could have clustered together a little bit more, it was always just that every team had a, like a little bit of a missing part. You know, y'all right. like the Tulane, Tulane y'all, y'all had very good talent. It was just something was missing. And in the same like, over um, at LSU, something was missing. And the same, you know, right. 
it just yeah if, imagine if all of y'all had stayed home anywhere <laughs> anywhere nasty, man. oh man y'all don't be the, the champion a yeah, national like, championship uh, would have would have certainly been on the table exactly and then like going from out of high school to my freshman year Tulane that's when I had the bad um cartilage tear like in my right knee and that's what kind of took me out from that point and then I never had a healthy college season at Tulane you know once I tore my um, cartilage real bad and then I broke my left foot like my junior year at Tulane so I never had a healthy run at Tulane still was a good run you know but I mean could have been much better (laughs) I mean still you look at the numbers again you know, there's you a walking double double. You're still a walking double double, <laughs> and you weren't like I said, you weren't at your best, and you still what finished? I think what fifteen and eight for the career. But you know, the first two seasons you double doubles. That was uh, it, man. Like injuries, uh, I guess it's the kind of thing that defined all three of you guys' college careers in one <laughs> way or another. And I, I mean, you know, and I and I guess because Randy's story is the most notable of that, him being the two-time you know national player of the year, him being the national you know coming in and and leading the nation SEC in assists as a freshman, setting these these all these marks. Do the injuries, you know, and those are things you can't help. They just right. it's something you can't control in life. You get hurt. Um, but do you ever just? I mean, how long did it take when it, when you knew that you that you couldn't get to the place maybe professionally that you thought you could have uh, because of the the physical loss? The brain couldn't make up for those disadvantages anymore. How for all of y'all? Like, what was that like? Uh, just dealing with the, the, the those physical limitations that you don't have when you're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Well, this I mean, Wayne Wayne said it. I, I'll go first on that. It's like. Man, we were lucky, Chief. Like, no matter what you say, injuries, whatever, we had great coaching when we were little. So for me, I knew how to play the game from the neck up. So, like, when the athletic ability went, you still knew how to play. And I think, for me, it didn't matter what level I was. I had made it a point to just ride it till the wheels come home. But I knew I could always play from the neck up. And that was, as you got older, everybody's going to lose them. Father time's undefeated. But if you knew how to play, you just knew how to play. So it didn't matter what level that was. You know, injuries are part of the thing. But I, I attribute it just to me, and I don't know what these other guys say, man, we, we had battles when we were young. We had real battles. We played real basketball, and we played it for a long time. And so at the end of the day, we can only play the game for so long. But since we, like, was like this with each other all the time, there was no, I mean, I just played, a, uh, I was coached a game in AAU. It was the last game at uh, Peach Jam. And the dudes for Team Why Not said they were doing load management. And I said, what the fuck is load management in high school? Wow. <laughs> like, we played. Like, my wow. took a game off in front of the college coaches. So it was like, man, no way back in the day that would happen. But like. Y'all was going all 32 <laughs> most nights. I mean, like, if you got a breather, it was because yeah. y'all was winning by too much. Yeah. yeah. Y'all was going to play 32. We played all the time and that, you know, like, and, and that's part of the deal growing up and playing and getting you guys have some luck. You got to stay injury free. That's part of it. But at the end of the day, man, I tell people all the time, I wouldn't change anything. Like Wayne said, whatever God plan is, it's God plan. And, and it happens for a reason and you enjoy it. And we all prospered from great mentors and great coaches. And we, like, and I try to tell people the greatest strength coach Rob has and it's not none of the wins. It's not none of the AAU national championship, none of the state championships. And Grub, you part of this. 
We are all good men in society, great men in society. We all are doing great things. There's a few that with some bad apples, that's part of it, that fell off. But for the most part, if Rob coached 500 kids, 480 of them have done great stuff in the world. And I think that's that's the message and the important piece of all of this stuff is that we've all come and have become solid citizens in our community. Um, Man, we, we we need another hour to talk about Big Mutt. Big Mutt was a drum major. Now he got all the art, man. He got he done made he done made paintings for me. That's special to me, man. Like those type of things you can't take for granted, man. It's the most amazing stuff that we're all good people. Rashard is work like people always ask me how Rashard, man. Rashard's good. He's chilling. He's working. He's a family. He's a good family man. His kids have done well. Mutt kids are smart as hell. They've done well and graduated college. Like you can't ask for a better life. Like that's right. part of it. Yeah, and, all right, all right. and uh, you know, outside of uh, Randy being a coach, like you said, Dwayne, you going on your painting, you do, you do all these other things now that 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 are not basketball. And I think you know, you know, people who try to pigeonhole or do they remember you for these one snapshots in time, and they forget. Here we are, thirty years later, we're grown men. We do, you know, we 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 have developed and, and mentally and our socially and and our families and all those things. But we still carry those lessons. Like you said, we apply those lessons to the different phases of our lives. Um, how do you um, do that? How do you do that at, at a day to day basis? Kind of either um, live those lessons that you got from your coaches in the game for yourself. And how do you pass those on to others? For me, starting off, firstly, and you, you, a lot of guys, you know, playing know that you didn't have a, a mother and father at home. So I had my mom and dad at home. Firstly, I had a dad in my house. Up until my sophomore year, but junior year in college is when my parents separated. But I had a dad in the house that kind of set the foundation. Of, okay, this is how you be a man. And you go from coaches, you go to Coach Alvin Gauthier, you go to um, Coach Mateen, you go to Calvin Ramey, you go to Anthony Roman, you go to John Thompson, you go to Dale Brown. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of those guys. You know, you look at um, – you, t- you talk about um, Nord, you talk about Wayne, you talk about Rachel Sims, you talk about Larry Migas. So I had so many people and mentors and that said, okay, this is what it's like to be a man. And it was easy for me to transition because I've had those influences with different coaches and, and having my dad and stuff like that. So it's like Randy said, man, it's, when you look at it, you look at the basketball, I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything because, you know, people look at my career and say, okay, you could have been a lot more. You could have done this. You could have, could have done that. But as far as the person, I mean, I have, like Randy said, my sons, I got three sons. All of them graduated from college. My wife is a college grad. You know, my wife and I, high school sweethearts, we're still together. And, and it's not anything I would ever take away from where my life is right now. One of the hardest lessons I ever had to learn was, you know, draft day and it's like your name didn't get called and you're destroyed. You're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And some of the most profound words I've ever heard in my life, my mama pulled me on the side and she's like, son, I know you're distressed. I know you're distraught, but God's got a bigger plan for you. And I, I couldn't understand it at the time. So I just took it and I moved and I just kept moving and kept moving. You know, now I'm doing the thing with the art. And Randy, I never told you that I'm going back. I'm finishing my degree at LSU, so I'm gonna get my degree next month. Yep. You know, so I mean, I don't, I don't regret anything. I don't regret anything. I'm just happy that like people can 
people that you admire and you look up to, like Randy Rashad and you, you can say, you know, you're a good person. That's what it's about for me. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't have no regrets of anything for it either, man. You know, like with the injuries and everything, you know, once the same thing, like when it was saying, like when the draft day come and finally the ball stops bouncing as far as the NBA track of it. And I went overseas, played in Finland, and that's when I had a um, third knee surgery. And then that pretty much took the air out the ball from that point on. So, you know, I went through a little phase of depression. I'm not going to lie, you know, I went through a little phase of depression after that for maybe about six months to a year, you know, and then um, cause that's all I ever did since I was like about seven or eight, you know, was that basketball, you know, and then finally it comes to an end. But um, once I was able to bounce back, I got my degree and everything from Tulane and I started teaching and coaching and um, I was going on well with that. Just had bought a home, started a family. And then um, I started working offshore because I was trying to get some more money like at the time, you know, and then once I went offshore and things went on from there and you know, like I say, I raised up my kids and everything. My middle son, he's going to college this year. My oldest son, he finished college and um, he's doing well. Good family life. My parents are still here and I had that good direction from them, like coming up, you know. My dad was there with me and, you know, he showed me this is how it is to be a man. He went to work every day, took care of the family. So I'm pretty much doing all the same things now. It's from all the good, you know, teaching and coaching and stuff that I had going up from all the different mentors and stuff that I had as well. So life is good now. Can't complain. Sometimes I do regret, you know, getting away from around the game of basketball. But like you said, you can't live in the past. I wish I would have stayed around and coaching, you know, got to different levels with that or some kind of way being around the game. But I still love the game. Always going to love it. And um, just continue moving on with life, man. I'm enjoying every bit of it now. And hopefully I can keep on going for a lot longer, you know. Randy, you, you know, you are coaching and um, you, you, you led Newman to a championship last year. Um, compare that feeling taking a bunch of kids and leading them to someplace in that way, rather than taking your peers and leading them to a championship. And then, you know, you and I talked when you first got back to Louisiana, where you, where you came back and you were, you were, um, assistant coach over at LSU. And that's when we started talking. You were telling me about the quality of coaching and your belief in how, how important it is to raise that, that level of coaching for kids. You know, how, how, how much does that drive you now um, in, in making the game, you know, getting those fundamentals, getting that above the neck approach back to uh, the young, young players who, like you said, have taken the easy route. It seems like, you know, everybody now, it's not an organic thing like it was for y'all when y'all built your AAU team. It's now it's I live in Atlanta, but I'm gonna go play in California with these people because these are this is a better team and we're gonna win. We have a better chance to win. He said y'all were underdogs. Nobody didn't care who you were. You Louisiana, y'all are underdogs. But now it seems the easier paths are so much. There's so many more of them to take. You know how do you again implement that work ethic and say this is I've been there. All the things that you want, I I had them in my hand. I worked for them and I got them. You know, this is there's a different way too. Yeah, man, man it's different, man. I, I won't I won't lie to you. And like I, I told you back then, the, the the kids and the players are only as good as the coaching they have, man. At the end of the day, you can you can carve it up, try to do all this other crazy stuff and take these e-pads, but they're only as good as the coaching that they receive. Um it's different though, man. It's a 
the world's changed. And then that's like the most important thing. I mean, I can laugh and we can joke with these guys as much as possible, just us being on Zoom. But social media has changed the way things are viewed. You could be an average ball player and shit, be a McDonald's All-American. I mean, that's how all you need is a following. And so it, it's changed. I think the kids, um, and this is the answer to it. I think this is what drives me. Coaching is hard, man. It's so hard because the, the guys we had, Coach Robs and Coach Wu and Ghost and Coach Schick and all the guys we had around us, Coach Rock, all of them, they were more than coaches, man. They were mentors, man. They were, they were, they were surrogate fathers. They were when we were going through stuff, whether it was relationships with girls when we were young, they 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 talked to us. Like they we spent a lot of time with us. Now the kids have social media, they have all this attention, but they're really at risk because they're fragile, man. They're really fragile. The stuff we went through, it made us tougher. And whether that was good or bad, like, you know, we didn't grow up in a normal environment. We was in tough situations, but like they're fragile, Chief. So like the little bit of adversity, if they don't have someone to talk to, man, that's why the suicide rate, that's why people start smoking weed and drugs and drinking, they, they turn to something else because they can't handle it. And so it's it's just different, man. Like you would think a great player in high school right now has it all, but like they won bad report by a writer saying that they're not that good of quitting or like being distraught for the rest of their life. And and that's that's where it's different. Social media and all of that stuff has changed the way sports are viewed. Um but me being a gatekeeper, I'm a basketball lifer. I'm going to be in it. I, I made that decision a long time ago. Now, I admire Wayne. See, he was able to do stuff. He has a great family. So it took me some time. It took me, you know, some growing, some maturing to get to where I'm at today in terms of family, in terms of that. But I probably could do a lot of other different things if I choose to. And I do. I've dabbled in different businesses. I've been successful in those things. But, like, basketball – is in my heart helping people at, when I play it, it's in me. And like, I want to see the youth succeed. I want to see them, you know, to be honest with you, avoid some of the pitfalls that I did as a player, even after playing basketball, I want to see them, you know, win on and off the court like that. That's important. There was things that as great as Coach Rob, Coach Wu, and all of them, they didn't experience being in a professional world. So they couldn't tell you what was next, what was that going to be like and how it was going to be and what to avoid. Um, and so, man, I've been through so much in my life that so many people don't know. That's why I got a book going to come out. I'm doing a documentary. I, I just want to help kids. Like, that's my thing. I want to help kids avoid things that, you know, can make you go – Rock it straight up and have a good life. And don't get me wrong, I have a great life. Um, I've been blessed. God has been great. But I want to see them win in every way. And so that's why I coach. I mean, I'm, I'm hard on the guys, but I'm fair. I mean, I learned that from Coach Rob. I learned that throughout all the coaches, Coach Fitz, all the coaches I played were in the NBA. I just took what I liked and the stuff that I didn't like, I let it go. And I try to give it back to the youth because let's be honest with you, there ain't many – mentors out there. I mean, social media runs their life, um, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's, you know, the stuff that they see and they trying to follow. 
it, it's just not going to lead to a great place. And so I'm trying to give back and give them a chance to go to college and live their dream. And what they don't understand, whether you make it to the NBA or not, to get a free education and to start building relationships that last for the rest of their life is important. Like Wayne, I mean, many moons ago, I introduced him to Don Bond. And like that changed his life forever. You know what I'm saying? So like he like, and so like those type of relationships you don't, mm-hmm. it's all about relationships. Life's about relationships. Me, Richard, Mook, all the guys that play, we have a relationship. Like we have a bond that will never, ever, ever, ever be broken. We were the pillars in the basketball community here and did it the right way and all have become great human beings. And I think that's important. That's the lesson that we have to give to these kids because let's be honest with you. Only 1% of the kids that play basketball make it an NBA, a professional. So the message has got to be different. The life lessons got to be different for these kids. And I enjoy that. I, I truly do. And I mean, I'm not doing it for the money. I could go coach in college or go coach in the NBA G League and make it to a professional um, if that's what I really want to do. But I enjoy this level because I get a chance to have a relationship with the kids. And that's important to me to help them develop into to men. That's what Coach Robinson did for us. So I am who my mentors were. That's that's no question. Man, I, I can't uh, thank the three of y'all enough for, for sharing your time. Um, you know, this was important to me. This was something that I wanted to do for a while. And, um, you know, because I think that there's a there's a you know this this history of New Orleans basketball um, that needs to to continue to be kept alive and 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 I think that there's an opportunity. We're starting to see some of the schools in the New Orleans area starting to come back. The basketball programs are getting better again. Um, we haven't had that breakthrough type player yet come out of the city just yet, but I think that they're they're on the horizon uh, and we're starting to see maybe LSU is getting better again. We see Tulane starting to get better again. And, and I've enjoyed being a part of Tulane's broadcast team for the last couple of years and watching them start to develop. It's the, the basketball is a deep part. And I think that's people forget Louisiana has produced some of the greatest basketball players in the, in, in the NBA's history and college basketball history. Louisiana has its part. And I think it's important for us to recognize, like you said, give you all y'all flowers. But at the same time, it's not just about appreciating y'all. It's about letting people know just how bad y'all were. Like this is this is not about, you know, just putting y'all up on the pedestal. It's talking about how you got there and what you did to get there. And when you got nine thousand, almost ten thousand combined points sitting on this screen and, you know, uh, state championships and and all these things that y'all have all American awards. You know, this is this a legacy. That's a legacy y'all built. And that stuff from even from watching y'all as an outsider, me being not a star, just a guy in a rotation playing for his school, being on the floor, sharing the floor with y'all in that moment. I knew how important that was. You know, I took pride in watching you guys on national television. I still remember the highlights coming back when y'all were in the Boston shootout and then playing those on the news that night after y'all won and seeing y'all just, I mean, y'all were, y'all were me. You know what I'm saying? We the same age and y'all were me and y'all are holding up this national championship trophy. And so I, 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 on behalf of the folks who were in the stands and on the opposite teams and all those things for when y'all were doing your thing at the highest level, I just want to say thank you for that because you did inspire us um, not only as players, but as lovers of the game of basketball. And I don't forget those moments. I don't forget, you know, like I said, I was only on the court with Dwayne for five minutes, but in the five minutes, 
it's unforgettable to watch the 6'10 dude play point guard and just toy with me. But it was, you know, uh, it was special. It was special. It was special, you know, that last year for Randy, filing out in in the state championship game, but coaching from the bench. Like the dude, you know, literally watching you jump out your uniform on the bench, telling your guys where to be. You know, so, and, and like I said, Richard, with all the skill, the size, the quickness, the agility, all those things that I, I, I couldn't do. Um, and just watching you and, and seeing just like, the, it was a force of nature, a force of nature. And that, and all three of y'all, you know, like I said, you, you represented the very best of what we were able to do in New Orleans at that time. Y'all were the best. And, and there were so many other good and great players, but, uh, you know, to get y'all together like this, this was really important to me. And I thank y'all for that. Man, we gave out a lot of buckets on this screen. <laughs> But more importantly, man, we winners on and off the court, man. That's Absolutely, like important bro. to me, man. We winners. Like, and, and winning winning was important to us. Like, people, a lot of people can score. There's a lot of people that score points. But when it came to winning, Ray got a ring. I got three. Mook got two. We won, man. Winning was the most, winning was the most important thing. And so, man, I commend you guys, man. This is awesome. Shit, we need to get yeah. together more often, man. Thank you. Yeah, definitely, definitely get together, man. Thank you for giving us this opportunity and this platform. Absolutely. Appreciate yeah, it. appreciate it too, man. Keep pressing, Yes, sir. Ray, maybe right, I'll right. see you at a maybe I'll see you at a Tulane game this year, man. Yeah, yeah, like I'm gonna make it out since COVID. I haven't been out, but this year I'm gonna try to make about two or three Tulane games and try to make about two or three Pelican games. So I'll be out there on the scene again this year. So you'll see me around. All right, appreciate it, big fella. Yes, All right, man. Y'all have a good one. Now. <laughs> Thank y'all so much um, for Hard to Paint. I'm David Grubb, and this has just been this is this going this going down as one of my favorite episodes. So until the next time, uh, y'all be good.